Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Thank you, Pastor Joel. It's so good to be here and um, to find out you're a real person. I was starting to wonder. I told him, I said, I've met your wife, your kids, your sister, your cousins, your second cousins. It's so good to finally meet you. And it's so good to be here with you in the state of Mississippi where God lives. Hello. Amen. Now, don't tell the Hankins that because they believe he lives in Louisiana. And I don't want to start a brawl. But, um, but there is just a, an expectation in my spirit. I know there is yours. That's what has you here at a 9 o'clock in the morning. But there's an expectation and an anticipation in my spirit, even coming here, that this is just not a good idea. Because how many of you know it's never a bad idea to get together and pray? But that this is a God-ordained idea, a set time, the Bible would call it. This is a set time. And when you step into a set time with the Spirit of God, it's when you wind up accessing more than you bargained for. And what I mean by that is when you come into a set time that God set and you showed up for it, Pastor Joel responded to the leading of the Lord and the team and the staff here and and all this has come together, what winds up happening is you wind up accessing what the New Testament calls the manifold wisdom of God which is just one way of saying he's doing more than one thing at one time. Amen. That while you're sitting here in a set time receiving, God's just taking care of all kinds of things. He's moving things. He's changing things. He's bringing, Pastor Joel was really speaking to by the Spirit, clarity to the path. He's giving you answers. He's showing you things to come. And at the same time, he's going, that needs to be tweaked and you need to get rid of that. And you can't do that anymore. And you've reached this place and now you're going to have to step. He starts working on all of that. And so to the degree in the level that we just come in kind of going, all right, have at it. Change me, transform me, and get me ready is, is exactly how much changing and moving and clarity and getting ready he can really do. Amen. And I can sense just coming in the room because when you travel all the time and you walk in a lot of different conferences and churches and all kinds of stuff... You get just really quick to kind of getting your atmosphere reader, you know, out. It's like, how hard is this going to be, you know? And, um, but, oh, I got to tell you, just, just coming in, you've already made that decision. And there's so much already in motion. And so my heart, and I'm so thankful for the invitation of Pastor Joel to come and speak into this time and, and uh, the trust that he would give me to do that. 
But my heart is just to step into the river and the flow of what God's already begun doing in you. And, and, uh, and I want to invite you to just lean in a little bit more. You know, go in a little bit deeper. Maybe start letting him have access to the, the back rooms that you weren't sure you wanted to let him deal with. And uh, let's just see all that God can build in and through us this morning. Amen. So let's just go before the Lord in prayer before we get into the word and just make a place for that. Father, we just magnify your name. We worship you. We love you. And oh, how we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the work of your son, Jesus. And what he did for us, God, that he became sin and then he, he took on the curse that sin brings and he dissolved all of that for us, that we could have immediate access to you, our Father. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that as we gather here today, we gather in that blood that was shed for us in that sacrifice and we receive it by faith afresh. Lord, that nothing would inhibit, hinder, alter, or stand in our way of our direct receiving from you. Lord, we believe that this is a set time and so that your Holy Spirit has architected a blueprint for this time. And so we put our words on this and we declare and say everything that the Father blueprinted for this time, we say we receive it. We say we, we shall have it. We have ears to hear it. We have eyes to see it. And Lord, we just ask you for the full work of everything you want accomplished here to be. Not by our might, but by your spirit. Father, not our way, but in your way. That your highest and best would be done. And we thank you for it. Thank you for the anointing. For this time, this word, this message, in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, thanks for coming. That's really all I've got. And hasn't this been good? Aren't you glad you got up at 8.30 in the morning? Praise the Lord. Okay, well, if you brought your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and, uh, uh, go ahead and, and hold your place in Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 3. And I know just um, in the back room a few moments ago, but Pastor Joel was just sharing with me just the vision in the heart and even how the Lord spoke to him and, and uh, how this came about. And I love this so much that the mornings are really geared toward prayer. You know, you don't really hear a whole lot said about prayer as much as you used to. In fact, I remember the last part of um, 2022, I just, it started just rolling out of me. I just started saying kind of randomly, I believe prayer is having a comeback. You know, prayer used to be cool and prayer is cool. And, uh, you know, there was a time when, man, everybody was praying. I mean, if you grew up in church, you were going to all-night prayer. You were involved in prayer groups. You were, like, believing God to get in the, like, super serious, uber-intense, you know, like, ninja prayer groups. I mean, like, you know, because 
because you you just had the sense like that's where major things, spiritual things happen. That's where spiritual business gets done. You know, prayer isn't just holding hands in a circle going, oh, God, would you do something? It's having an adventure with God. And I believe that the resurgence of that is coming on the body of Christ, one, because to live in 2023, it's absolutely necessary. Um, we're just not going to have, we're not going to have it without it. So prayer is having a comeback But what I also believe is that in this time, as we connect with God through prayer, that God is opening our eyes and revealing ways to work with him, or maybe I could say how prayer was always supposed to be. We're always growing in revelation with God, and And it's just human nature that once we start into something for a while, you can start out by the Spirit of God. But once you get the form down, you can start leaning on the sound and the form, and you've left the Spirit of God behind. And so then all that God's wanting to do doesn't get done. And so God's so precious and good with us. He doesn't beat us over the head with a bat and say, what is wrong with you? He doesn't condemn us, but what he'll do is he'll kind of push pause on things and go, no, 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 wait a minute. I need to get the man made out of this. I believe God's doing that with worship right now in the body of Christ. I need to get that. I need to get the man made out of this. Why? Because there's power available. This is where I want to come upon you and infuse you with my spirit. And so you need to get back into doing these things by my spirit. Amen. And so I believe prayer is is coming to the forefront again, but that the Lord is opening our eyes to work with him in prayer in the way he always intended. So I want to make just a few general statements about prayer, and then I'm going to just nosedive. This is your warning. I'm going to just nosedive into what I believe is my assignment for this session this morning, okay? So just Let's just walk through these things. Prayer can be defined as many things. Prayer, first of all, is communication with God. Um, Even just, you know, a sinner that doesn't know anything can throw up a prayer in a moment of crisis. It's amazing how many atheists suddenly believe in God when a car is coming at them at 80 miles an hour. You know, uh, but it's, it's basically communication with God. It is the connection that we have with God that he's given us. And prayer is our ability to communicate with God through that connection. How many of you know that being able to communicate with God is no small thing? That's a big deal. But that's what, that's what prayer is. So that connection to God and communication has many purposes, why do we have a connection with God? Why do we have an ability to communicate with the God of the universe? It has many purposes or many uses. One, first of all, it's for relationship building. It's to get to know him, isn't it? Number two, it has a, a purpose of sanctification. In other words, through prayer is where we get changed. Prayer is where that sanctification takes place. Um, Another thing that prayer is used for, our, our communication with God, 
is because it builds unity in the body of Christ. You know, it's really hard to criticize somebody you're praying for. In fact, if we could just get all of our brothers and sisters to do a little more praying and a little less posting, man, we'd be in good shape. I don't know when we decided that policing the body of Christ was the sixfold ministry gift. But I just want to say, and I, I, I know this is probably preaching to the choir, but there is no calling called critiquing the body of Christ. And with prayer having a comeback, my, my heart, my hope, and my prayer is that that will begin to diminish that we'll see less and less of it. Why? Because our heart is so turned for praying. Praying actually breathes a fresh wind upon unity. The New Testament talked about growing in your bond of peace. There's something about praying together in unity. It grows the spirit of unity among us. And so it's imperative. So there's all these reasons for prayer, for communication with God. But more than prayer being the way that we get changed, prayer is also how we change things. Prayer is how we are designed and destined to take care of spiritual business on the earth. There's a quote that's, gotten passed around quite a lot, probably in the last couple of decades, but it bears repeating. It was by a preacher back in the 1800s that a move of God was birthed out of these two brothers, the Wesley brothers, one of them being John Wesley. And he has this sort of famous saying about prayer. And he said it this way, it seems God is limited by our prayer life. Now, you can really mess up a lot of people's theology if you just stop right there. Oh, they won't. I mean, you talk about a post. I don't know who you're talking about, but my God is sovereign, and my God is in control, and if he wants to do something, he's going to do it. And they I know. I live in the Baptist capital of the world. It's called Nashville, Tennessee. And people really get all hot and bothered about this because you, you say that and they say, well, you're messing with the sovereignty of God. And I say, nothing in this statement takes away from his sovereignty. He is sovereign all by himself, whether I admit it or not, he's still going to be sovereign anyway. But what God has done is he has made the choice to limit himself. Listen to the rest of this quote. It seems God is limited by our prayer life. Why? It seems God, God, can do nothing in the earth unless a man or woman of God asks him to. Really, what we're talking about here is jurisdiction. Now, I'm not going to take the time to preach from Genesis onward. Most of you here, being a part of Word of Life, you're a well-taught bunch. And you know kind of the history of this thing, that God set up Adam and Eve over the garden, and he told him to be fruitful and to multiply and to have dominion. We're going to get into a little bit of that in a moment. But he, he started that way, and as the story goes, the enemy, the serpent, the liar, the deceiver came in, and he got... 
Adam and Eve to agree with his version of things, and they committed high treason. And so what was entrusted to them and was their jurisdiction, they handed over to the father of lies, and he just started wreaking absolute havoc. And it grew in the earth, mass mass casualties in the earth. All they have is the law, and nobody can keep it. And finally, the prophetic words of the Savior, the fulfillment of the time came when Jesus stood up from his throne, and he took off his crown, and he set it on the seat, and he took off his sheath, and he laid it down. And he said, there is one that is spoken of, the Lamb, crucified, and I must go. And can you just imagine the atmosphere of heaven in that time? I, I, I don't know what it was like. I just imagine, you know, the angels maybe just whispering, going like, I hear it's a suicide mission. I don't think he's coming back. Because the chaos and the carnage of sin is so high in the earth. It's mass destruction since they handed over. And they can't save themselves. And so the son has to go and be the sacrifice once and for all, for all time sin and the curse that sin draws must be dealt with. And I don't think he's coming back. But Jesus, even knowing what was said before him, had that glint in his eye. And I believe as he was stepping down from heaven to enter the earth in a manger in such a humble and significant way, maybe right before he stepped down, he looked back at the Father and he said, we're going to need a lot more rooms up here, Dad, because I'm going to go get our family back. And I'm going to sacrifice once and for all. And you and I know what happened. That after he paid the price for all sin, for all time, and the curse that sin brings, he destroyed the curse. He took it upon himself. And he destroyed it. And then on the third day, he rose. And he said, all that will believe in me, I invite you to step back into righteous standing with me so that I can give you back the authority and the dominion and the jurisdiction through the name that was always meant to be yours in the first place. Glory to God. It seems God is limited by our prayer life. It seems God can do nothing in the earth Well, he can if he just has a man or a woman of God ask him to. 1 Corinthians 3 and chapter 9, you don't have to turn there, calls you and I co-laborers with God. One of our major responsibilities as people of faith is to stand uncompromisingly on God's word no matter what we are faced with. And say the same thing God says 
about our situations. How many of you have seen God work in your life in that way? We stand upon that word. What does Joel 3, chapter 10 say? Let the weak say, I am strong. It's interesting because Jewish scholars have a, a couple of sayings about this that I just love. The first one they, they say is, the heart believes what it hears itself speak. The heart believes, your spirit believes what it hears yourself speak. Even medical science has figured this out. Do you know that a lot of cardiologists in, um, in uh, cardiac hospitals They'll actually tell heart patients after they have surgery, tell your heart to beat again. Tell your heart. They found out what we already knew the word said. The heart believes what it hears yourself speak. And then the second statement they Jewish scholars have that I love is this one. They say it this way. The mouth is the heart's tool for implementing. Now, that's got all kinds of ramifications to it. Say, what are we talking about? We're talking about prayer. Are you ready to deep dive? All right, I want to just make this statement, and let's go from here. The primary way that you and I join forces with heaven is by saying what heaven says about everything. I'm going to say that again. The primary way that you and I join forces with heaven is by saying what heaven says about everything. And we can do this through prayer. Not only can we, but in this time that we're living in, the state of affairs that that world is in, we must we must. I don't know if there's ever been a time like right now where what the New Testament speaks of, creation is groaning. Aching, groaning. You can hear the groan. You can see the groan. For the manifestation, what's it say? Of the sons and daughters of God. Creation is growing, going, does anybody know how to right the ship? Does anybody know how to deal with mass destruction that is coming at the hands of mass deception? We have a generation that's claiming to be woke. Are you kidding me? They are anything but. Because the enemy's weapon of choice right now is a weapon of mass deception. We've got people that are living versions of themselves that they never, ever would have dreamed they would become. We have people that once had the word on the inside of them on some level, and all of a sudden they've come under this weapon of mass deception to the point that they don't even know their own identity anymore. They don't know what gender they are. They don't what they're supposed to do with their life. Are you kidding me? They're trying to figure out which box to check on the gender question. And I'm not saying this to get preacher points. I know people dealing with this. This isn't throwing the the condemnation book at anybody. This is how broken people are. And what I'm saying is that our prayer life 
has got to get a bigger vision than if I know God or not, or if I have anxiety or not. I'm not saying that God, the lover of your soul, doesn't care about these things, but I'm saying that creation is hanging in the balance and that we've got to look at the position we've been put in in the earth, saying that the God of the universe who has plans for dealing with this weapon of mass destruction is looking to you and I, the church, to say, what do you say? And that this is who we are. I'm declaring to you that there is a new power a fresh power and demonstration of Christ and his church that is springing forth. Heaven's kingdom is rolling out its master plan technology timed for this day, and that is the high power use of God-inspired words. It has always been the technology used by God. I had you open up to Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 3, what does it say? And upholding all things, church things, Christianese things, no, all things, by the word of his power, for he made the worlds and upholds all things by his word. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that the original primary mission of words was to bring order to chaos. Isn't it interesting that God's first use of words was for creating and secondarily for communicating? But the first purpose for words, and I want you to think about this in the light of your prayer life and what you spend your time doing in your prayer time. And when you, when you come and you gather to pray, and even as we pray here this morning, what we're doing is we're grabbing on to God's technology of words that the world we live in is framed upon. And that it's waiting to hear those words spoken again. God gave us the same mandate for using his words to bring order to chaos. In the book of Job, chapter 22, verse 28, it says, and you also shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon your ways. You will decree a thing, and it shall be established. When God put Adam and Eve in that garden, he basically put them in a management position. He said, I want you to manage the garden. Manage it. Do you know that's the position you and I are still in? When God looks at the state of Mississippi, he looks to you and he says, well, I have managers there. And I've put them in position to manage the state of affairs there the the same way I did it. Why? Because we're made in his image and his likeness. And so the way that he's called you to manage the state of affairs of your life, your job, your family, is how? By his words. 
Church, we got to be so careful because we could get so used to these things that we go, oh, yeah, confession, I remember that. Yeah, I got that little book. I got that little book on my shelf. Yeah, glory to God, blessed and highly favored. Meanwhile, the curse is trespassing. And we're supposed to do something about it. Somebody say, the high power use of his words. Isaiah chapter 51, would you turn there with me? Isaiah 51, verse 15 and 16, God gives us a prophetic picture through the prophet Isaiah of his plan for this. And he says through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 51, verse 15 and 16, But I am the Lord your God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Now I want to pause right there and just mention that when you and I pick up the word of the Lord and we put it, in our mouth, and we speak not our words, but his words, that there's a whole realm of the spirit that's listening and responding and reacting. And that that realm of the spirit, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, is filled with angelic host. Now, I just want us to pause and really get a mental picture of this. The word of God tells us that when each one of us are born, that we are assigned and guardian angel. Some scholars believe we're assigned to. And then beyond that, depending on what your assignment, your call, your destiny is in life, if necessary, you may have more assigned to you than that. And their job is to help you fulfill the call, the purpose, the destiny of God. The word of God tells us about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits? What does it say? Sent to minister to and for the heirs of salvation. So in order to assist you and to help you, before you are born, your angels must have been read in on God's design, blueprint, your, your divine appointments in life, the places you absolutely have to be, they must be totally read in on who God's designed you to be. Otherwise, how could they assist you if they don't know what the Father's will is for you? The book of Psalms tells us through the psalmist David, he says that there is a book in heaven written, it's the book of your life with your name on it. The psalmist David said, are not all my days written in your book? One translation of that word actually says that there's a thesis. Wouldn't you love to pull out the thesis that the God of the universe wrote about you? You can by the Holy Ghost. So God pulled out that thesis he wrote brought those angels assigned to you over and walked them through 
The Lord of hosts is his name. So just in this room gathered right here, I want you to think about this as we're praying, as we're worshiping. If we just limit it to the two guardian angels, we're all assigned. Think about right now in this auditorium, how many angelic beings are here? We haven't even touched upon the angels that are assigned to the plan of God on word of life. We haven't even touched upon the ones, the the troop that's specifically assigned to this campus. How about the angels assigned to the state of Mississippi that gather when the saints gather to hear what they would say? See, what we're doing right now is we're getting an adjustment of our vision because we're the ones that have access to these things in the spirit. But if we spend all our time in the natural, we're going to pray solical natural prayers. And we're going to bypass this high technology use of words that comes by the spirit of God. He says, the Lord of hosts is his name. It goes on to say, and I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. Why? That I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, you are my people. The very next verse simply says, so wake up. Wake up. It's not going to do us any good shaking our fist at the TV, at CNN and Fox News and shaking our fist at Facebook going, it's just so bad and everything's just a, and we're supposed to be the body of Christ without spot or wrinkle and we have spots and we have wrinkles. And we can spend our time just talking about how crazy it is and how critical and and all the people and, and all these things. And we could spend our time there. Or we could lift our eyes to where our help comes from. I believe we're in a prophetic moment right now. Like the prophet, when his servant Gehazi came to him and said, hand wringing, what are we going to do? It's so bad. I mean, it's just so, the schools are so bad and the government's so bad and people aren't going to church. And it's just so bad. It's so bad. And that prophet, the one that was in communion, had a prayer life with God, just stood there and said, Lord, would you just open his eyes? What was he saying? Would you just get him out of his natural vision and back into his spiritual vision? Awake. Wake up, church. We have assignments waiting on us. We've got to get beyond just me, myself, and I. And, and, oh, I just feel so bad. I've been lazy about my prayer life. Listen, creation is groaning. Get up past that. Get into a sense of mission. Get into a sense of assignment. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is saying, Church, I need you to get territorial about these things again. 
You don't have to just spend your time worrying about those schools and what's going to happen when those babies go there. You take over that school. You put words on that school. You prayer walk that school. You lift your hands to the direction of that school and you give verdicts by the Holy Ghost. You decree a thing and let it be established. You plant the heavens in the earth. Things going wonky at that place where you work, that corporation. What is the Spirit of God telling you to say about it? Because if you'll get into a place where God, whatever you say about it is all I'm going to say, you're going to have the thing that you've been saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 15, you don't have to turn there. What does it say? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. Why? Because what you will is what I will because I'm in you and you're in me and it'll be done. And it'll be done. What did he say? It'll be done. Glory to God. I'm telling you right now in this room, there's things that the enemy has had locked up in a closet in your life. You've been stuck in a place trying to get from one season to the next, and you've been stuck, held up. You were in a, in a race, in a run, and you got caught, and you've been frozen there this whole time. And this very thing right now is breaking that hold on you and getting you freed up and loosed up because you're going to start putting your mouth to Holy Spirit words and getting get things moving again. And that is absolutely what prayer was meant to do. I'm telling you, we are living in the day of the miraculous. We're living in the day of miracles. And I'm not talking about preacher miracles. I'm not talking about the old school version where preachers have miracles and then we all come watch. Anybody else raised in church? Any church kids in here? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, you got to come. We got this evangelist. I mean, one time 20 years ago, he had a blind eye open, and he's going to tell it for the hundredth time. This isn't being live streamed, right? (laughs) Fabulous. If this gets out by any chance, my name is Christine Kane. It's not... This is not Gentry Gale. She can deal with it. She would laugh at that. This is the time of, of miracles at the hands of the sons and the daughters of God. We're getting this thing headed back in the right direction. This whole church thing, Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. He went talking about Sunday at 10 a.m., This is where you come, where you must come to become all that God called you to be so that you could go forth in power and in demonstration, lay hands on the sick and see him recover. You could see depression on somebody across the room and say, I, you know, I used to sit in depression too. That's why I can see it on you. Can I pray for you? I can get that thing off of you in the power of the name of Jesus. And because we've spent time abiding in him and he's abiding us and we're speaking things out of our prayer life, it doesn't feel weird or scary to do it. It just feels normal. 
But the other reason that we're living in a time of miracles is because it's absolutely necessary and we have to. We found that out during COVID. We thought we were ready, body of Christ. Kind of, not totally. Can we just be honest? The Lord's working on us, isn't he? It's the time of miracles because it has to be. The Lord is going to be putting you in positions, places. There's assignments on your life where you know you're going to be on assignment. You took that job. It didn't make sense, but the Spirit of God has you here. You walk into a moment in your family, in a relationship through a friend, and all of a sudden, it's absolutely necessary. There's no other way except you have a a miraculous supernatural intervention of God. And in that moment, you will have to employ. God's high technology use of words. I'll just tell you right now because I've been in enough of them. No angel's going to appear out of the sky and say, behold, fairest of the fair, this is your moment. And a power's going to come on you like the incredible hawk and you're just going to rock them, sock them. It's not going to go down that way. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be in that moment, and your flesh is going to be screaming, going, what do I do? What do I do? And up out of your spirit's going to come words. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell a condensed version of it, but there's no talking about this without telling it because it nails it so strong. But uh, the first time that I uh, went overseas, took a team of about 50 people, and we did a um, event in the nation, island nation of Grenada. And uh, Grenada, if you don't know, is the southernmost Caribbean island. It's about uh, 80 miles off the coast of Venezuela. It's a third world country. And and uh, we had a, a connection there. And so the Lord had really spoken to our hearts and given us uh, a burden for this nation of Grenada. There's a lot of oppression there, really heavy oppression. And so we'd been praying, God, what's your key for this nation? God will give you keys in prayer. And so the Lord spoke to us and he said, I want you to go to the nation of Grenada. And this is what he said. I want you to throw them a massive party. We were like, how are we going to raise money for that? Hi, would you like to support our trip to Grenada? And uh, we're not digging wells. No, we're not building a children's home. We're going to have a party. Was that 5,000 you wanted to give? Perfect. Okay. And so the Lord said, I I want you to throw, throw them a party. And and the, the backstory of it is what he was, what he was doing strategically was getting us in there with the gospel. that didn't resemble anything like religion or church because they had had that shoved at them and there was no power in it. So we couldn't just go in and throw up a tent and just start preaching. They'd go been there, done that, heard it. Nothing ever happens. And uh, so he said, throw them a party. So it took about a year to put this together. And so we worked with locals and a lot of the church uh, pastors there, people. And so we said, well, what would be a party, you know, in Grenada? And they said, well, their favorite thing to do is um, 
come together and you dig these, uh, these guys, you hire them, they come these big fire pits, they dig them out, and then you roast this rotisserie chicken and they make jerk chicken. It's like a steak dinner. It's their favorite thing. And we said, okay, okay we'll do that. And then um, we said, what else? And they said, well, and then we, you can just have all the sides catered and, and they have all these awesome, amazing sides like macaroni pie. I'm telling you, macaroni and cheese has been lying to us our whole lives. Macaroni pie is where it's at, people. And uh, lunch is right after this, so praise God. So anyway, so we're, we're working all this put together. Took about a year. So it's the night before this event. We had to get a permit from the government of Grenada, and we held this on the abandoned airstrip, the same airstrip where the United States had flown in and liberated Grenada in the 80s under uh, President Ronald Reagan. They're very grateful for that. And so there's this huge open field. So we rented this huge stage. We had all these tents brought in. We had all this jumbo stuff for the kids. And so we're going to throw them a massive party. And we had been going door to door, these teams, for three weeks, giving them flyers that were party flyers. And these little white kids would show up at these people's huts and say, hi, we're from the United States. God told us to throw you a party. Would you come? And they just looked at us like we were crazy, you know. And, uh, but we had gotten this idea that before they went door to door, we would go to the local bakeries and buy out all the fresh bread. And they all had backpacks on full of that fresh bread. And so about that time, they'd pull out a loaf of fresh bread and give it to them. And I'm telling you, hot carbs speak a universal language. So... Really, we had thousands coming. They were all excited for this massive party. Fast forward, it's the night before the event, and I said, I want us to go down there to where we're going to have this tomorrow, and I want us to soak that uh, airstrip and field in prayer. Just get the atmosphere ready. Because words change atmospheres. Some of you need to work that in your home ASAP. God-inspired words change atmospheres. So we're down there, and we're walking that airstrip, and guys got guitars. They're worshiping. We're just praying and declaring. And, and so we're down there, and all of a sudden, I, I look, and the sun's setting. Now, you've got to understand, this is in the rainforest. I mean, with the sun down, it's 100% humidity, and it's about 98 degrees. I mean, just your hair is just awful, ladies. It's just awful. And so we're praying, and the sun's going down, and it's so hot. And I look down that airstrip, and all of a sudden, we're in the middle of nowhere, third world country. I see this white frozen food truck pull on to that airstrip and start driving toward us. And immediately, my heart just sank because I had an idea what was happening. You see, in order to have this event, we had purchased every single piece of frozen chicken in the entire nation, and it was all being delivered for the event the next day. So here comes this frozen food truck a day early. So sure enough, this guy gets out, and one of the team members brings him over to me. He says, are you Reverend Jen Tringale? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I've got your chicken. I said, sir, if you'll look at that invoice slip, you'll see that my event is tomorrow, not today. And uh, he looked at it. He said, you're right. He said, 
Lady, I just drove two hours through a rainforest to get this here, and I am not doing it again tomorrow. And that joker proceeded to open up the back of that truck and unload pallet after pallet after pallet, thousands of pounds of frozen chicken, got in his truck, and drove away. In the South, we have a saying for that. It's called, bless your heart. (laughs) Now, I'm Italian. My family's from New York. We say it a little different up there. But this is a prayer conference, so I can't say that, okay? Well, what are you going to do? People, what are you going to do when you are on the path God has for you and the enemy comes up to absolutely annihilate what God has you there for, what he's trying to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to flinch? Are you going to tuck and run? Are you going to sit down and go, I thought you called me here? You want to. But the Bible says this, we are not of those that draw back. What does it say? We are of those that overcome. It said that because there was going to be plenty of stuff to have to overcome. What are we going to do? I got my own staff, my team members looking at me. (laughs) What are we going to do? And I'll tell you the truth, the only thing I'm seeing on the inside, hand of God, is a newspaper headline that says, whole nation dies of salmonella thanks to Jen Tringale Ministries. I'm just thinking like, this is over before it started. So you know what I did? I waited on words. The Bible tells us that the secret of the success of Jesus' ministry was in the simple statement he made over and over again. I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. So I'm standing there waiting on words, and all of a sudden one of the team members came and got me, and he said, "Uh, Reverend Jen, there's a, a man over here, a Grenadian man that lives up the hill. He wants to talk to you. So I went over, and he was this little old man, and he said, um, I just live up in that little hut right up there at the top of the hill. And he said, is this your chicken? And I said, yeah. He said, what are you going to do with this chicken? I said, well, I'm still deciding, which was a faith statement as if I had options. And he said, well, you see that little hut over there? And there was literally like a pallet shack just about 60 yards away. He said, I own that. He said, now, it's just a concrete floor, and, but he said, I have a lock. He said, you're welcome to put your chicken in there, you know, overnight. At least it, it won't get stolen. Well, this really doesn't solve my problems. I mean, it's 100% humidity. It's 90 degrees, and we got to go all night before we start cooking that chicken in the morning. I mean, this thing is just done. So I didn't have any other choice. I said, well, all right, we'll do that. So they started getting all those pallets of chicken, and they're just stacking them in that little hut. We get every last one in there. So they said, what do you want to do now? I said, everybody just get in there much as you can. Put your hands on those pallets of chicken. So we put our hands on that chicken. So I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm waiting on words. And this is what came to me. Real simple. It's funny how when God gives you words to say how simple it is. I said, God... We're here on assignment. This wasn't our idea. This was your idea. And so because of that, this isn't our chicken. This is your chicken. 
So God, we speak to this chicken. What did we read? Decree a thing. And we tell it to stay frozen. In the name of Jesus. And then they shut that and they padlocked it. And I looked at that little guy. I said, I will be back in the morning for my chicken. Because I wanted him to know as soon as I left, he couldn't open that up and have a chicken sale. You know what I'm saying? So we get back to the base and everybody's getting ready for bed. And some of my team's like, what do we do? And I said, we go to bed. Why? Because we had sent words. We had sent words. That next morning we got up and, I mean, this was a year in the making. It's a big day. Got up before the sun came up. We loaded up all the vans in the trucks and drove down to that field, that airstrip. And it was gorgeous. The Caribbean Sea and the sun's just coming up. And they went and got that little old Grenadian man. He came down and unlocked that thing and. And I've been to Grenada, I think, 31 times since this trip. And every time I ask him to drive me to that airstrip, there's this little grassy knoll that ran along where that hut was. And I'll never forget those guys got that first pallet out, and they laid it on that grassy knoll. And we all (gasps) looked, and we're staring at it. And every piece was frozen. And they get out the next pallet, boom frozen. They get out the next pallet. Boom. It's frozen. You understand this is in a third world country. We're not that far from the equator. It's sat in a hundred percent humidity all night. We're saying in the natural, there's no way that could be except we sent words. Well, we're just like out of our minds. We're like, we're the apostles come back. You know, we've just had a chicken miracle. I mean, we're probably going to win this whole nation in an hour and a half and just move on to another island. You know, we are flying so high. And so we're about two hours into prep. The guys are there. They've got the chicken fires, uh, the pits dug, and the, they're going to start cooking that chicken. And, and the worship teams are there setting up the massive stage, the lights, the sound system. And I'm over here in a tent in a meeting with all the local pastors talking about how the day's going to go. So we're about two hours into this, and all of a sudden, one of my team members, this little young guy, comes in, and I'm talking to all these pastors, and he comes up, and he's pulling on my arm, and he's going, Reverend Jen, Reverend Jen, we need you right now. I said, buddy, you're going to have to wait. I'm in the middle of a meeting. His eyes are as big as quarters. He goes, no, you got to come right now. I said, "What, what is going on? He goes, they need you over at the fires where they're cooking the chicken. I said, buddy, we've already had a chicken miracle. What else could be going on with that chicken? Spit it out. And he just looked at me like he'd seen a ghost. He goes, well, they've had the chicken on the fire for a while now, and it won't thaw. And they need you to come release the chicken. (laughs) That chicken was still under the authority of the last thing I told it to do by the Spirit of God. This isn't playground stuff we're talking about. 
This isn't about reading your horoscope and going to some fortune teller that's talking to some familiar spirit that can get two or things right. The realm of the spirit's real. All kinds of information can come out of that place. But what spirit do you want to get your information from? This stuff is real. So I follow him over to the chicken fires, and I'm thinking, what in the world? You know, I'm a Rama Bible graduate, Pastor Joel. What did Brother Hagen teach us about releasing chicken? I can't think of. And so I walk over there, and they've got all these mat. And you, I mean, we had to hire these huge, ripped Rastafarian guys that cooked this chicken. They are standing back, scared. They are like, we have seen strange things today. We don't know what is going on. And so I just walked down that line. There was no flash in the sky. It, it wasn't cool and dressed up. It wouldn't have looked like a great Instagram moment. And I just walked down that line of those fires and I just said, be released. (laughs) Thaw in Jesus' name. Cook and be eaten, you know. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And that chicken started cooking. And we had a paradigm-shifting gospel event that day in the nation of Grenada. It, it broke things open for the kingdom. We, we had, I don't know, maybe 5,000 there, but word of that event spread like wildfire. And the pastors came to me afterward, and they said, you have changed what ministry will be like for us here forever. He said, because what you came brought Jesus, and it didn't look like religion. It didn't look like just trying to get people to come to your church. The truth is, what we did there by the Spirit of God broke the oppression. And that's what the Spirit of God is inviting us to co-labor with him in. To deal with oppression when we see it. Church, that's what God is doing with Word of Life. Word of Life, this ministry, these campuses are here to deal with and get the oppression, the curse off of people. And then it's here to raise up believers like you to go out there and be the oppression breakers. And I just believe it's high time that we just go ahead and take care of business in our own homes and lives and get real familiar with this high power use of words. Pull it out of the familiar toy box of Christian things you've heard about, known about. Oh, yeah, I remember that faith and confession. Yeah, Mark 11, 23, 24. You believe in your heart and say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea and down in your heart. But lives are hanging in the balance. If you have words from heaven, you can change anything.
God's bringing us back to this assignment in prayer. You're saying we just need to be decreeing and declaring everything. No, I'm saying wait on God until you have words from heaven. And when those words come, that's you decide, you make a quality decision. That's all I'm going to have to say about it. Hey, that ain't easy. It's easy when we're all here. It ain't easy when you leave. But that quality decision will hold you to the words you said while we were together. Change things. You got crazy people in your family? A lot of amens on that one. <laughs> Woo! I have a prayer line for that later. I declare that old family member of mine has the mind of Christ. Their eyes are open. Their heart's ready to receive. Jesus, you hold the key to them. You use that key to open them up. Decree a thing and let it, let it be established. I believe right now by the Spirit of God that there's some conditions in your world that the Lord is arresting your attention and for some, he's saying, you've been waiting on me, but, but now you see, I've actually been waiting on you. And let's co-labor in this thing together and change this together. Take that condition. Maybe it's a relationship, a physical condition. Maybe it's a, a, a season of life you're in. Maybe it's, it's financial. Maybe it's an addiction that's trying to come back, whatever it is, take that condition and pull it out right there in the front between you and the Father and say, Father, what is your key for this? Give me words. God, would you entrust me with words to speak over this? Because, Lord, if you will, I will treat your words like precious honey. The Bible says they're more precious than gold. Because that's how powerful they are. Any state that you're in right now, you say, Jed, it's been like this for a while. Words from the Spirit of God can change it. comes back up in my spirit. I believe it was the spirit of God, Pastor Joel, saying clarity for the path. Words. Words come. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you have called us into relationship with you and entrusted us to work with you to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. God, you have entrusted us with your word, the promises we find in your word. God, you have entrusted us with your prophetic word. And 
we declare in this house, Lord, that this is a house founded on your word. This is a house so founded on your word that your spirit rests upon where your prophetic word flows. And things get done unto the glory of the Son. And it's done not by might, not by power, not by flash or performance, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Where the anointing flows, burdens are removed, yokes are destroyed. So, Father, we've come this morning. For you have put us in position by your word to wait on words and to hear from you. I hear just so clear in the spirit, adjustments, adjustments, adjustments. Adjust, adjust, adjust. Holy Spirit's dealing with you to make adjustments now from what you have been saying. You've been saying what was. God says, release that, repent of it, and grab hold of words of what shall now be. Listen to me. Speak this by me. Some of these things are generations old. They must shift now. It cannot continue on anymore. It stops with you. Thank you, Father.